Okay, good. Now, my wife um, correctly said to me last time, Rory, the whole preach, you just kept on saying you're running out of time. And you have plenty of time, so I don't know why you're doing that. And what I love about, you know, talking about marriage is that your, your spouse always tells you the truth of who you are. It's like those who are married, they're like a mirror, aren't they? They show you in all your glory and all your horribleness uh, and everything. Um, and uh, so it was very true. So it's, it's 11 hours, so I'm just going to bumble along and we'll see where things go. I'm not going to say uh, I'm running out of time. And don't worry, it won't be a two-hour preach. Um, but we'll just see what God um, does. So uh, we're starting this season. It's an exciting season. It's all about relationships. We're going to start with marriage today. And I remember always when I was single, the danger is like, oh, it's talking about marriage. And well, I'm not married. Or I never want to be married. Or I don't know if I'll be married. Or I was married, but I'm not married now. Um, but there's so much truth that we can learn from just a married couple and, and the principles of marriage that uh, bleeds into friendships, relationships, uh, and all those various things. And my prayer for you is if you want to be married one day, that that will come to fruition for you. Okay, so these are some foundations and I hope some, some truths that will, set, you know, that will just be really good cornerstones for your own lives. Um, but as well as that, I think um, we are a family. As Monica said, one of our values as a church is that we're a family. And um, therefore, marriages are under attack. Let me say that. You know, marriages, uh, if ever there's been a time where marriage is under attack and divorces are just accelerating worldwide it's now and as we say we have a child we raise a child as a tribe as a family wider than the nuclear family so in marriage you know it's our responsibility to encourage those who are married and if you're single you think how can I encourage someone who's married I've never been married it's well you can just check in how are they doing yeah how's how's life how's things how's your marriage feel feel free you know if you've got that relationship to ask them that question and my challenge to, to those of us that are married is be authentic you know, be real. Obviously, don't tell everyone everywhere because it's quite personal stuff sometimes. But be authentic about your marriage and where things are at. Because marriage, you know, some days it's wonderful. Sometimes Beth and I could kill each other. Um, not really. But, I mean, it's, it, it goes up and down. There's different seasons in, in marriage. And um, so I'm speaking to all of us on that one. Now, in the coming weeks, we're going to talk about husbands. Uh, one week, we're going to talk about wives. Another week, we're going to talk about singles. Don't worry if you're single. We're going to talk about that. Um, as well. So we're going to look at every sort of aspect of relationship that we can, and then following that season, we're then going to go into the book of Acts and be focusing on the book of Acts um, leading up into June, July. Okay, so that's where we're, if you'd like to know where we're going, that's where we're going over the coming weeks. All right, so let's, let's pray before we kick off. Father, I just uh, thank you so much for our church. I thank you for every, uh, every individual here, whether um, we're single, married, going to be married, never going to be married, Father God, we're married, or whatever it is, uh, whether our marriages are in an amazing place right now or whether they are in a really difficult season, Father, you're a good God and you have good plans for us, Father. And we just pray as we talk about relationships and particularly marriage today that just your spirit speaks to our hearts, Father. Let it not just be clever words or just reading scripture after scripture, but actually a real relationship with you that you encourage, you challenge us. And as a church, uh, families are a cornerstone of society. As a church, I pray that our families are strong, Father God, that they're on the rock of Jesus Christ, our Savior, Father God. And no matter what storms come, Lord, that they will stand strong by your grace. In your precious name, amen. amen. Now, I'm going to try a bit of technology. I actually had a video to play here. My boss rang me this morning, and he had his laptop stolen in Kenya. So my morning's been a bit topsy-turvy, just trying to sort out um, a work problem. 
So I'm just going to play the audio because this is quite funny. This is from one of our favorite um, uh, movies, uh, well, my wife's favorite movie above all, called The Princess Bride, which you must watch. It's very old, but it's, it's hilarious. It's very funny. At the end of the movie, there's, there's this lady who, who, who doesn't want to get married to this guy. Her, her real love is outside. Um, and the, the pastor, the priest who's preaching, he talks about marriage. But just the way he, he speaks is just hilarious. I thought I'd just introduce with a little bit of humor. I'm going to try and just play the audio off here. I've never tried this before. We'll see if it works. So just see if you can hear this, because it is very funny. Here we go. All being well, if technology works. Is that working? Yeah, sorry it's not a video, I think it loses a bit not having the video. But marriage, when you think of marriage, we've all got different pictures of what marriage is. Okay? Turn to the person next to you, just for 10 seconds, and tell them what, mar what is marriage to them. What, what's marriage? Let's make sure we get on the same page. Looks like some people are not sure. <laughs> Okay, shout, shout out to me. What, what's marriage? What's marriage? Commitment. Covenant. Great word. Loyalty. Anything else? Strong relationship. Okay. And... Sorry? Ministry? Union. Union? Companionship? Friendship? Yeah, all good words. Okay. And let me just set the context. I'm speaking very much into a marriage between a man and a woman. Okay? Heterosexual relationship. Um, I say that because I know in the modern age we get a man marrying a man and a woman marrying a woman. It's not my place right now. I'm not going to unpack or talk into that. But I just want to say I'm specifically focusing on the Christian foundation of what marriage is, biblically, okay? Um, those are all absolutely wonderful words, guys, and there's so much under it. And this morning, there's no chance I can cover everything, all right? But let me just give you a bit of background. Um, Hebrews 13, it says this, 13.4, let marriage be held, am I making a noise because, is this on? I just want to get the feedback, there we go, okay. Let marriage be held in honor among all, and let the marriage bed be undefiled. For God will judge the sexually immoral and the adulterous. In Proverbs 18, it says this, he who finds a wife finds a good thing and obtains favor from the Lord. A couple of quick things, first of all. It's really important that we honor marriage, yeah? The, 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 just the, the covenant, the establishment of marriage in society is honored. And I think sometimes... Um, in the West, especially Beth and I a few years ago went to Las Vegas. Don't ever go there. <laughs> uh, 
we went there. It was my idea, as ever. It was, it, was, it was my awful idea. We were driving south, and I thought, let's just cut through this way. And we missed out the Grand Canyon for Las Vegas. No, it wasn't as simple as that. We couldn't get to the Grand Canyon. But anyway, we, did. we were in Las Vegas. And I remember I, I did this Facebook um, photo of Beth and I uh, in front of the chapel in Las Vegas. And so we've just renewed our vows in Las Vegas. I had never had so many comments. I literally had hundreds of comments from like, all my friends over the world. Like, oh, congratulations, it's so amazing. You've, re, you know, you've redone your vows. I was like, I'm kidding. I'm not going to go to Las Vegas and redo my covenant vows in Las Vegas. I've got a bit more depth and sophistication. Um, <laughs> I got quite offended that so many friends thought I'd actually done it. And the reason I mention that is because many people get married in Las Vegas. It's one of the most popular, it is the most popular location in the U.S. to be married. And often it's a shotgun marriage. You know, it's just on the, on the spur of a moment. Maybe they met them that weekend or... They, they've eloped from their families and, and uh, just got married there. And I, it's funny in one sense, but in another sense, it's really tragic because um, marriage is a huge commitment. It's, 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 a, it's the biggest decision after giving your life to Christ, I think, that you'll ever make. And um, I've had so many friends who've uh, married, sadly, I think, just the, the, the wrong person. You know, and I, uh, it's a, a number of friends who are now divorced. I've got a number of friends who, who married non-Christians, um, and they've lost their faith in the process and all these things. Now, I've had others that have been very successful, and God has grace, and I want to encourage you that if you're in a difficult place in your marriage at all, that God has grace for you, and he will see it through. The fact that you're now married, God can keep you married, and God can make a good marriage, no matter what that situation is. He can, he can turn around any, any cards that are given and, and flip it over. So let me encourage you. But at the same time, I think the reason I mentioned Las Vegas is it's just this, this cheapness of marriage. Oh, let's get married. I married a few, and then we get divorced. I'll get remarried, and, and then I'll do it again. You know, and in a bit, I'll share some statistics that are quite frightening on that. So I just think it's important as a, as a church body that we value marriage, okay? It's really, really critical. Um, in 2 Corinthians 6, it says this. It says, do not be unequally yoked with unbelievers. For what partnership has righteousness with lawlessness? Or what fellowship has light with darkness. Now again, I'm speaking specifically to people who are not married right now, and you're considering marriage in the future, and what happens with many of my friends in, in the UK is they can't wait. So they just marry who they think is the best they're going to get, and they, they, they struggle to find a Christian guy or a Christian girl, um, and uh, it ends in lots of different challenges, all right? It's, it's, it's a difficult path to walk, all right? And I want to encourage you that uh, I can give a test to my own brother. I've got two brothers. I have an oldest brother called Rhett, and um, then I have a middle brother called Greg. And my middle brother, Greg, and I'm the youngest, I'm the brat, I'm the spoiled one. You can probably tell just <laughs> with some of my cheekiness and who I am, okay? Um, but Greg um, waited an awful long time. I, I can't remember how old, I think it was late 30s even, um, which as a Christian, you know, in the UK, they often get married in their 20, early 20s. You know, a number of my Christian friends are married in that 21, 22. Um, I was married at 26, I think. I've lost track now. Um, and uh, I think that the reason I mention this story to you is God was so faithful to him. He, he um, waited and turned down or did not pursue or whatever else and just waited and trusted in fact, he got to the place where he just said, God, I'm, I'm happy to be single for the rest of my life, which is fine. Not everyone has to get married. In fact, Paul said, you know, encourages us in one part of Scripture, it's easier not to be married. There's less challenges. Life's just simpler, yeah? Um, 
But for Greg, he, he waited, and, and God had this perfect person in the perfect time, in the right time, in the right season, and it's, it was, it, I couldn't think of anyone better that he should have been married to. So I want to encourage you this morning, you've been waiting for years to be really, really patient, yeah? That God has someone really good for you. If that's God's purpose for your life, and if it's to be single, then it's to be single. And I know that's a hard, that's a hard one to swallow, but you've got to get to a place where you feel peaceful that if you don't get married, that you're still happy for the rest of your life. Does that make sense? Yeah? Because the devil will try and rob you this season. I remember even myself, even though I got married at 26, those years before, because all my friends are getting married, like between 21 and 27, I was like, I've got to find someone to get married. I've got to, you know, I've got to get married. I've got to be married. I've got to be married. You know? and, and, I, and I realized in some ways I just missed just being who I was, you know, waking up in the morning and being able to leave my boxer shorts on the floor, yeah, and just be messy and, and be who I am. And, and all, I'm not encouraging that behavior. But anyway, but you know, I wake up and I think, oh, I want to go out today and do this. I don't have to consult anyone. I can be totally selfish and I'm just going to go and do this. Now, that's all well and good in one sense. So just enjoy being single if you're single right now. Yeah, you want to go out and buy a Rolex? Go and buy a Rolex. You want to jump on that boater? You can go and do it. Okay? Whatever it is. Yeah, you want to move to the boat? Move to La Barra. If you were going to live somewhere else, you can do it. <laughs> Same time, be careful about being too selfish. <laughs> and I think in that season, what I say, and so I'm just going off on this one slowly, but in that season, if you're in that season right now, I think learn how to do relationships well in your friendships. Yeah? Learn how to do friendships well. Because it's in that place that will stand you in good stead if you ever do get married in the future. And I'm going to say this, and this is particularly for guys, but girls as well, is be honoring. So those around you, even if you're dating but you're not engaged, that is your sister, that is your brother. That is not your wife and that is not your husband yet. Because that relationship might not work out. And therefore it's important that you honor that individual because God's purpose in your life might not be to be with that person. Does that make sense? Yeah? And anything you do, and I'm going to talk more about like sexual boundaries, okay, you're robbing that person's future spouse. Okay? Or even if it is you two, you're robbing yourself of something of your marriage night. And the best example I can have, and I was going to try and cook a cake, but I just realized I can't cook. And I felt too mean to ask my wife to cook two cakes. Um, <laughs> But I was going to have a cake here this morning, and I was just going to have this beautiful cake, and then I was going to, just as an example, as a metaphorical example, I was just going to cut pieces out and say, I'll tell you what, I'm just, I'm just going to snog that person. With, you know, I'm, just going to have a, I'm just going to kiss them and be really intimate with them. And I, I'd give a piece of cake to that. I wasn't, I wasn't going to give it to you as individuals because that would be the wrong sort of picture, but I was just going to take pieces off, and, and then, oh, okay, I'll tell you what, I'll just have a one-night stand there because... God, God's gracious, you'll forgive me, you know, pass it there. Oh, okay, well, I'll just cross the boundary over here. And what you're doing is you're leaving pieces of yourself all over the place. And I'm not judging you. I, I myself, I, I, I really struggled with this. I haven't always been a Christian. I don't use it as an excuse because I knew of God. I made loads of poor choices, all right? But I want to say to you, I want to come back to you and say, if I could speak to myself in my late teenage and early 20s, just say, wait. Live a life of purity, okay? Because it's going to stand your marriage in good stead. And don't rob someone else of that individual's life, yeah? Because they want the whole, they want the whole cake. That's for them, okay? So um, if you're, and I'm just going to be authentic, if you're a virgin still, brilliant. Fight for it until your marriage night, okay? If you're going to get married, if you're going to be single, then just fight for it for the rest of your life. It's the greatest treasure 
you can give your spouse. And you'll have to fight for it. The devil will try and rob you of it. If you've already lost your virginity and you've already crossed that boundary, call to God of restoration. And he can restore you. Okay, But you have to put a stake in the ground and say, I'm going to change the way I'm living my life now. You've got to have a vision for the future. God, I'm going to, I'm going to fight for this because it's worth it. And this is the gift that I want to give my spouse on my wedding night. So I've, had to, I've, I've fought for this tooth and nail. Yeah? And here's my gift to you. Does that make sense? So I don't want anyone to sit there feeling judged. We've all made mistakes. I'm the worst probably in this room. We've all made mistakes. Okay, so no judgment from me. God will restore you. But at the same time, I, I want you at the end, I'm going to pray as a, as, a, as, a, as, a, as a family. I wasn't planning on talking so much about this, but I just sense God's on this. As a family saying, here's the state, God. I'm going to fight for this. I'm going to fight for this purity as I go forward. I'm going to walk out here as a pure man, as a pure woman, loved by my Father. Like last week, you are wonderful. God sees your spirit. You are wonderful. You are amazing. Turn to the person next to them and just say, you are amazing. And say to them, if you're not married... God might have someone amazing for you. <laughs> and if they are married, point to them and say, I, your marriage is amazing. I pray for an even better marriage. And good, I like it. I like the enthusiasm. And if you are a wife to a husband, your husband is here, you can point to them and say, you're going to buy me some flowers this week. <laughs> Tomorrow. Okay, tomorrow. All right. All right. Don't be angry if I spend the money on flowers. There we go. Right. I might buy a Coca-Cola at the same time. All right, moving on. <laughs> That's good. Good, guys. Right. <laughs> so God did not create human beings um, to be isolated people. But because we're made in his image, okay, he made us in such a way that we can attain interpersonal unity of various sorts in all forms of human society, whether marriage, friendships, sons, fathers, brothers, sisters. God's about relationship. Jesus died on the cross because of relationship. He wants to have a relationship with you, all right? He's passionate about that, and he wants you to have friendships and relationships with each other. God wants us as a community to strengthen our relationships. When we say family on that banner, that means nothing unless we act it out. I can put a lovely mission, there's a mission statement. We can put it there, it can look amazing, but we have to follow with our feet and live it out. All right, so how are you doing on that side? Yeah, how's your friendships and relationships in this church? Who do you know? How well do you know them? Or do you come in and run away? I'm not judging you, okay? But God's built you for more than that, all right? And we are, believe passionately we're an authentic church where we're real, we love each other, we're in relationship. We cry together, we laugh together, we celebrate together, we dream together, okay? As a family. Now, this unity can be especially deep in the human family, all right, as well as what I just said, the spiritual family of the church. But particularly between men and women, interpersonal unity comes to its fullest expression in this age, in marriage, where a husband and wife become, in a sense, two persons in one. As it says in Genesis 2.24, therefore a man leaves his father and his mother and cleaves to his wife and they become one flesh. But it's not just a physical unity. It's also a spiritual and emotional unity of profound dimensions. And the world often just focuses on the physical, all right? This entire spiritual transaction, okay? So um, if you've had sex before marriage, you have a spiritual connection with that person that you have 
uh, had a sexual encounter with, all right? And it's important that you pray and you break that off. It's almost you leave spiritual pieces of your life. And I, I, I had to do this myself. I had to spend a lot of time in ministry just working through and breaking these spiritual bonds, okay, that I'd left around. So if that's you again, then God wants you to be free, all right? And um, we will find times in the, in the coming weeks where we can pray for each other, safe places where we can do that, all right? Where you can be free, because that's why Christ died, okay? So sexual union um, with someone other than one's own wife in 1 Corinthians or husband is a especially offensive kind of sin against one's own body. And within marriage, husbands and wives no longer have exclusive rule over their own bodies, but share them with their spouses. Now, before you think, guys in particular, oh, that just means when I want to have sex, I can just stay away and say, let's have sex, okay? And um, I'm saying that to guys because guys think an awful lot about sex. Psychologists say it, about 100 to 200 thoughts a day. In fact, some argue an hour, okay? I don't know if that frightens you ladies, but um, for men, that's, that's a challenge. So there's a challenge of self-control. There's a challenge of fighting against pornography. There's a challenge around purity. It's not just men though. I know women that have struggled with this hugely as well. What I also want to unpack from that mention of that verse is that um, as well as, as, as that connection um, and, and what you're doing, it's, it's, it's the fact that it, it says you've got to love your wife as you love your own body. And you might say, Rory, I can see your body. You don't seem to love your body that much. My wife said my belly's bigger than it's ever been, okay? Um, but I do love my body. You know, I don't stand in front of the mirror and spend ages. You can tell by my hair. I'm, I'm quite quick at getting ready. But the reason I'm touching into this bit of verse slightly is that it gets abused, all right? So particularly, in, well, in any country, lots of countries, particularly male to female, there's almost like a physical abuse, all right? It's almost like, well, you're married to me now, so I demand this. That's not love, and that's not marriage. That makes sense? Yeah, there's a freedom in marriage, all right? So don't think, you know, I have authority over you, and I'm therefore going to tell you what to do, all right? In our house, we believe, ultimately, I feel responsible for my family towards God, and I will have to give account for my family, which is quite scary, in front of God one day, okay? But God has not given me authority to abuse and control and domineer my wife. Does that make sense? Beth is to be free, is free to be who she is, and I'm free to be who I am. Am I unpacking that well enough, okay? All right. Um, the one uh, verse in particular I'd love you to bookmark, and I'm going to unpack bits of this uh, around seven different pillars, but it's from 1 Corinthians 13, 4 to 7, which is very famous when you talk about weddings and love, and you'll recognize it. And in fact, if we can fire that up, doing great. Okay, 1 Corinthians 13, 4 to 7, it says this, love is patient, love is kind, it does not envy, it does not boast, it is not proud, it does not dishonor others, it is not self-seeking, it is not easily angered, it keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, and always perseveres. I just love that verse. And the danger is we get so familiar with it, we don't really unpack it or understand it. Okay, but my challenge is memorize. That's one of the verses. There's many to memorize. That's a great one to just memorize and uh, be able to recall at any point in your life. And that's towards friendships, your immediate family, marriage, and the rest of it. I'm focusing around marriage today. And out of that, and adding a couple of others, there's seven particular areas I want to unpack. I might not get across them all today, but we'll see how far we get. 
And these are called the seven pillars. Um, and this uh, framework is taken from a guy called Danny Soko. I want to just give him the honor. I guess this is not me being super clever and uh, I, I'm not an IT director and a brilliant theologian at the same time. Um, but it's a great marriage course, which we'll probably run again. We've run it before in the church. We'll run it again. Um, but he uh, talks about these seven pillars, and they are love, honor, self-control, responsibility, truth, faith, and vision. I'll say it again. Love, honor, self-control, responsibility, truth, faith, and vision. And there's lots more. I could... I could stand up here and talk to you a whole year and not get to the end of relationships and marriage. But these are just seven good principles, okay? And we're going to unpack them uh, just quickly for now, okay? But let me just say a couple more quick things. Proverbs 9, one says this. It says, wisdom has built her house. She has hewn out her seven pillars. There's something about the number seven, which is why I've chosen seven. And Beth's going to be laughing now because I've been talking about number seven for almost a decade, okay? Um, and... Uh, seven for me is a complete number. Hence, the devil's number is six often, yeah? Or we say six, 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 you know? But God is a complete God, okay? And um, that is why we built it around seven. That's why I want to unpack this preach today around seven, all right? But I'm not saying for a second there isn't more. And even within these, like love, love is, I hate the British word love because it can mean so much, yeah? In other languages, there's many more words, but we're just stuck with this one. What is love? I love my dog. I love my wife. What does that mean? Okay, it's a different type of love. All right. Now, my challenge, speaking specifically to married couples now, okay, is that your marriage, my marriage, our marriages are held together by the strength of the internal structure. Let me say that again. Our marriages are simply held together by the strength of their internal structure, okay? And there are many, many external pressures for you not to stay married, okay? But it's what's inside you and what you build and the foundations you build your marriage on that's going to keep you together, all right? And the same for singles for future that want to get married, okay? You have to really work at it, and you can start today. Let me give you a few scary statistics from the U.S. A divorce happens every 30 seconds, every 36 seconds in the United States, that's roughly 876,000 divorces a year. Let me say that again. That's 876,000 divorces per year. That's 16,800 divorces a week. That's 2,400 divorces today. Isn't that scary? I find that frightening. Okay? The divorce rate among couples with children is 40% lower than couples without children. All right, I'm not saying you get married, have children within the first nine months. All right? Okay, but it's just interesting. So encouragingly, at least they try and work through their issues and stay together. Okay? If you go to college, okay, your risk of divorce decreases by 13%. There's a good... So parents, say to your kids, I don't want to get a divorce, get a college degree. 13% reduction. Okay? And what's interesting is the divorce rate for a first marriage is around 41%. 60% for a second marriage, and a 73% percentage chance of getting divorced in your third marriage. And I don't know about you, I know a few friends that have been married about three or four times. You can just, they're just not dealing with the root issues of their lives. They're taking their issues to the next marriage and blaming it on them. And we do this so often, it's your fault. It's you. 
from God puts a mirror and says, no, what about you? You can't control them. You can only control yourself, okay? Um, so if you don't create a plan from the beginning to build something that lasts, then you won't have something that lasts at all, okay? And I think for me, one of the critical things before going into pillar one is this. It's the unconditional acceptance, all right? So unconditional acceptance is the foundation of a healthy relationship. Let me say this again. Unconditional acceptance is the foundation of healthy relationships, all right? So it says that though you are different, I accept you for who you are. I accept you for who you are. You get to be you, and I get to be me. You get to be free to be who you are around me, and I get to be free. Now, obviously not in a damaging sense, but there's a freedom that needs to come, okay? And above all, I accept the fact that I can't control you, and you can't control me. And boy, do we try and do that. We try in all sorts of ways. We do the quiet treatment. We just go quiet, we shut down, okay? We do the anger, the shouting, okay? And the more unsafe, the more anxiety that we get in our lives, the more we try and control the situation around us because now I'm feeling really unsafe and I'm in this intimate relationship. I'm in the same house. I'm in the same, I'm in the same bed. I've got a bit of control, this entity that's around me to feel safe, yeah? It's just human nature. We want to do that. God says, no, control yourself. You can be responsible for yourself. I'm not saying you can't speak into it. I'm not saying you can't challenge them. I'm not saying stay in an abusive relationship, okay? But tr- be careful. You will try and control them, and you'll like them to be like you. And I remember so funny, is this guy who just, he's like, as you get into marriage, it's like, I want you to become more like me. The more me I see in you, the more I like you. I want to see me in you, okay? God, help us, please, okay, against that. All right, so the goal is not to make you into me or to gain control over you, but to build a relationship that's strong enough that we manage ourselves to protect our connection. And this connection is key. Are you connected to your spouse right now? Okay? This is critical. Are you connected with your spouse right now? All right, so out of all the freedoms I have, I make different choices because I know that some of them affect you. So I alluded earlier on when I was joking around about being single and being free and doing what you want. But now suddenly there's two of you. And then there's a child, there's three. And then maybe there's four. And then, I know if you're Catholic, maybe there's five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. I'm teasing. But whatever it is, there's others to, to, to consider. Yeah? Every choice I make, if I choose I want to watch a movie by myself and do something, okay, that impacts the rest of my family if they're awake. That means they do not have dad around right now. I am offline for the next hour 45. And this is my weakness. My risk is I want to go into my cave. I want to get away. I, I can't deal with this. I'm just going to go and watch a movie. I'm going to disappear. Now, sometimes there is the thing, and we do this in our family, in, in our living room. Our living room is our safe, happy place. All right? it's, it's a culture of connection. That's what we try and do. If someone's not being fun in that space, we banish them from that room. Okay? So at times, I've had to say to Beth, go to your room. <laughs> or Beth says to me, get out of the house. Go for a walk. Okay, or we say to our kids particularly, stop shouting, you're shouting dad, I know, stop shouting, go to your room. Okay, try not to shout, but calmly, and I've got better in the last season. I won't say which child, they both do it, but uh, Jimmy, I say it's J- not Jimmy, sorry, uh, 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 Alfred, Jill, whatever, right? Alfred, Alfred. Um, I'm not alluding as Reuben, just because it's a boy's name. Can you go to your room please? You're not being safe in the space, you're not being fun, okay? And then when you're ready, you can then 
Come and rejoin us, yeah? I think for spouses, often the challenge is, you need some time with God. Why don't you reconnect with God? Because when our relationship with God is strong, for Beth and I, our marriage is strong. When our faith is not doing well, when we're not making time for God, and we've had this in recent seasons for us, then we start struggling. We either start drawing on the other person, so they're trying to get everything from God, and we're like pulling everything from them because we're not getting our needs filled. Does that make sense? And that starts putting a strain on the relationship. But when this is good, this is good. When you, and the same for all of us. When our vertical relationship with God is in a good place, our horizontal relationships, whether it be marriage or friendship or work or life, is in a good place. Does that make sense? Good. All right. You see, the Lord is not looking to control us either. It's not his job to manage our relationship with him. It's our job to manage our relationship with the Father. All right? So it's not my job to also manage your love towards me. It's my job to manage my love towards Beth. Okay, it's not my, it's not my job to manage Beth's love towards me. It's my job to manage my love towards Beth. No matter what reaction I get, it's keeping my love on. No matter what is happening. If she wakes up grumpy or happy or whatever, okay? And you know, we've been married almost 19 years now. I know when she's happy from the moment, within the first minute of the day, I know pretty much what mood my wife is in. Okay? Uh, and she does this fun, she's going to kick me afterwards, but uh, does a fun little squeal when she's really happy. All the kids recognize it. Could you do it for everyone? No. Does so this lovely little happy squeal. And we, just, and we smile as a family because our oh, mum's in a good place right now. And we just know, and it sets, and it's important because it sets the culture of the home, doesn't it? If mum or dad are not happy, the home life is not happy. It can't be. The kids cannot be peaceful and happy if mum and dad are not in a peaceful place. It gives them no foundation for their lives. That's why it's so critical. Okay? Right, here we go. Very quickly, let's just give you the headlines of these. 35, I'm going to be 10 more minutes. Is that okay? We finish at quarter two? I'm not going to control you. You can walk out if you want. I will take note and pick you out now, I won't talk. You're totally free to go if you want to go. Um, right, pillar one, right, love. Love means this I feel connected, I feel safe, I feel nourished. Okay, let me say that again. Love, there's so much to say, but I wanted to say this today. I feel connected, I feel safe around you, I feel nourished in this relationship. Okay, and this is the best question I've ever been given about marriage. What do you need from me right now? This is the best thing I can ever ask Beth, okay? No matter if I'm driving, running, whatever. Even, I said it to her last night, I was going to say, I said, honey, what do you need from me right now? She might say, I need you to stop talking. Uh, I need you to get off the movies. I need you to make more time for me or the kids. Does that make sense, yeah? Or if I'm driving, I need you to slow down. You know, you're driving too fast. I don't feel safe right now. <laughs> Whatever it is, it's such a good question. What do you need from me right now, all right? And ultimately, the pillar of love is rooted in fearlessness, okay? Love is not about dependency. And this is so critical. I see this everywhere where it's, it's one person being dependent on the other person. God wants two powerful people in the relationship. He wants, for us, he wants Beth to be powerful, he wants me to be powerful. He doesn't want me to be powerful and Beth leaning on me. He doesn't want Beth to be powerful and me leaning on her. And you'll see this. I don't know, you must have seen that. I've seen so many relationships where it's like one person depending on the other. They're dependent and the other loves it because it just, you know, it's all about me, you know? Okay, and the other person is just not working through their issues. Or, so, am I making sense, yeah? It's got to be two strong people in the relationship, and it's got to be 
unconditional, because love chases away the fear and the anxiety. All right? I hope that makes sense. Right. Love, we could do 10 preachers on that. All right, that's just the headline. Pillar two, honor. All right, honor is about two powerful people that's been alluding to in love in a relationship working together to meet the needs of one another. Let me say that again, it's really good. Honor is about two powerful people in a relationship working together to meet the needs of one another. When your definition of honor is, I have all the power and you have no power, you've created fear in the relationship. All right? So when your definition of honor is, I have all the power and you have no power, you've created fear in the relationship. It's not a healthy relationship. And if you're in that type of relationship and you're not married, my suggestion is probably get out of that relationship. Jump while you can. All right? <laughs> Sorry if lots of people break up after this preach. Right. Okay. Because <laughs> the result is being overpowered creates anxiety and fear. All right? God has honored us and changed us from servant to friend. What kind of power do you have over your friends? You don't have power over your friends. Friendships are held together by love and by the way we treat each other, not by controlling the other person. In John 15, 15, it says this, I no longer call you servants because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I've called you friends. All right? So, the heart of our marriage is friendship. And this is why it's so critical, I think, as you get together with someone in the future, that you build that friendship. Because once you're married, it's all very different, okay? It's the friendship that holds you together. In the modern world, it's attraction that brings people together often. And once they wake up and realize, it's not every day you wake up and think, oh, wow, married the most beautiful person in the world. You get old, you get wrinkles, you get all the rest of it. Ask Maura and Jerry. You, you just, I'm teasing, I'm sorry. <laughs> I was trying to think of the oldest couple I could see in the room. <laughs> I've got wrinkles. Okay, But it's not every day you wake up and think this, but there's a friendship at the heart of the relationship and it's the friendship that will hold you the test of time. That's why we're so, we're grateful. We've got parents that have been married for over 50 years now, okay? It's a testament, but it's because they're friends, okay? They can barely walk, my parents, okay? Um, my mum used to be a stunning model, you know, but she's not the most beautiful lady anymore. She's beautiful, I love her. She's beautiful inside, okay? But her beauty is not her physical appearance, all right? Now, you, obviously, you've got to be attracted. Don't marry the most ugly person you can find. <laughs> Right, because that's not a good start either. But <laughs> that does fade, and that's why in the modern world marriages fail so often. I really believe this in the secular environment. It's because it's a physical attraction, and they wake up, we've got nothing in common. And I think with that, it's because they've got no plan for the future about where they're going. One person, Beth, knew from day one, I have a passion for Africa. I said to her from day one, I was born in Africa. I love this continent. I don't know how many years, but I know I'm going to have a significant number of years in Africa. If that's not part of your plan, we shouldn't be together, okay? And before, two years before, I was dating someone else, and we really liked each other, but the core thing was she had no desire, this, this, this girlfriend of mine, for Africa. Ironically, she was South African, but anyway, that's a story for another day. <laughs> but for Beth, for Beth and me, she knew my passion was Africa, okay? So she wasn't shocked when we ended up here. All right. Um, lots more to be said than that, but... <laughs> Self-control, okay, is the next one, pillar three, right? And this is just really, really important. Don't worry, we've got eight minutes. I will finish in eight minutes, all right? Self-control, my gosh, there's so much on this one. I think when we're not coping in life, what's the first thing we turn to? Turn to the person next to you very quickly. What's the first thing you do if you're not coping? What's the first emotion that you express when you're not coping? Turn to the person next to you, you've got 10 seconds. What's the first emotion? 
Okay. All right, shout it out, someone. Not Beth, she'll cheat. What's the first emotion if we're not coping? Huh? In shock, yeah, you could say shock. Inadequacy, yeah, no. Good ones. Anger. Anger. Hands up if you've ever been angry. Two, three people have been angry. Come on, stop lying. You have all been angry. It's physically, I've never met anyone in the history of mankind who's not been angry at some point in their life. Even a baby, like six months old, gets angry. Yes, Harriet, yes. We all get angry, okay? But it's the first sign that we're not coping. And when I'm not, I get more and more angry. I can see it. I, I, I kick the dog. When I, get, I know that's, oh, my, my daughter heard me. I haven't done it for a long time, but I used to survive. I kick the dog when I couldn't, okay? I shout. My children, the first thing that they do is they, they turn to anger. Psychologists say it's the first sign. It's the easiest thing to turn to, okay? Self-control, though, says do not get, there's righteous anger, but generally don't get angry. If you're getting angry, you're not coping. My question is, why? Ask God, why am I getting so angry? Is it because I'm not getting enough sleep? Is it because I'm stressed about the finances? Is it because my marriage is not going well? Is it because of, I don't know, whatever it is, okay? But if your anger levels are opening very quickly, you're not coping at the moment, and there's a root issue, all right? But self-control, I think for me, that's the, the biggest thing. Because the challenge is this. You know, if I'm angry with my wife, it makes her want to draw away from me, yeah? The connection is broken. She isn't in a place where she's safe to be her around me because I'm angry. I'm expressing my anger, all right? And ultimately, this is quite a hard-hitting one, I cannot blame her for how I'm behaving towards her. Comes back to this again. I can only be responsible for myself. Self-control, me. I can be responsible for me. I cannot control her, okay? I could threaten her, but ultimately I cannot control her. All right? Gotta have self-control. I don't know about you, but I think it's one of the biggest ones to, to battle with. I know for me, this is what I find hardest is my self-control, and it's the same in marriage, same in parenting, all the rest of it. Things get broken, and I have lots of pieces to pick up when I don't have self-control. Does that resonate? I hope so. Okay, five minutes. I'm going to keep to it. Responsibility, pillar four, okay? You can only be responsible for yourself. I'm saying the same. I just want to get this message through to you, right? This is one area, both in marriage and life as a whole, that has been lost in society. We see this in leaders of countries and society as a whole. There's something about... So pillar four, around responsibility, that was around responsibility, people struggle to be responsible for their actions. This morning, when my boss rang me, he's in another country, and said, I've had my laptop stolen. We have this software where we can shut down all the devices. We've got thousands, well, over a thousand devices. We can shut them down, okay? We can do all sorts of things. I was like, no worries, because he's the big boss, you know. We'll shut it down. Um, I'll have it done. He said, how long? I said, oh, within the hour. Don't worry. Okay. I reach out to, my, to one of my team members who I, who I work with. We need to shut down this. Da, 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 da. Uh, sorry, boss. I said, oh, no, what's wrong? Uh, we didn't put the software on his machine. <laughs> you mean we didn't put on the big boss? Does not have the software that we need on every device. No, remember, he changed his laptop, and then this person said someone else might. They said, the device needs to go now because it's the boss, he wants his laptop. Ah, oh, okay. Now, I'm not blaming that person. 
They were telling the truth, but in a sense, they weren't taking responsibility. <laughs> they were passing it to the next person, okay? Now, ultimately, I need to take responsibility because I lead the team, yeah? And it's like something wrong with our process that has let us down with probably the most important laptop at school because this is our big boss who hires and fires us in a flash if he wants. I then had a choice because he is quite technical, but I could blag that I have shut it down remotely and it is all done. He would never know because it's now probably on its way to Dar, Dar es Salaam or I don't know, Mombasa or somewhere. It's probably already left Nairobi, okay? He would never know. And I have to be honest, I was tempted, so so tempted in my mind, I was like, oh, I could just tell him it's done. Because if it's not, I'm gonna be in a lot of trouble. And I said to Savannah, I was like, Savannah, please pray for me. I've got to bring my boss and I've got to tell them. I was like, gosh, I'm preaching at Sunday. How can I possibly even consider lying to my boss? <laughs> and so I ran, I was like, oh, um, bad news, boss, I'm sorry. Um, the software wasn't on it. I'm going to have to follow up and find out why. Okay? But I had to take responsibility. And ultimately, it was my team, one of my team members, but I have to take responsibility because it's my team. I lead that team. It falls on my head. Makes sense. That's just a simple example, okay? But take, what about you? What area of responsibility do you need to take for your life, okay? And in marriage, you can be responsible for yourself. Does that make sense? Okay, good. So am I prepared to deal with my life and the decisions I make, okay? My, my goals, my aims, and my responsibility. And responsibility ultimately says I have a plan going forward. Do you have a plan for your marriage and your life? Now, truth. I'm going to nail this in very quickly. Truth is a form of trust, and trust is the exchange of truth. When trust is broken, you have to rebuild it. I have broken, I've said this before, I've broken trust with Beth, and Beth's broken trust with me sometimes. I've probably been worse, to be honest, in our marriage. I've mentioned finances before. In one season, not too long ago, our finances were in quite a bad way, and it started quite small, and then because of life in Ukraine, I hid it from her. I thought she can't cope with this. And then it became bigger. And then I hid it more. And then worse decisions are made. Because now we're not doing it in our marriage. It's just me individually trying to do that. Does that make sense? Okay. I wasn't truthful with her. And there were many times I could have been. And it all came to head and asked me I had to be truthful with her. And it was a very painful part of our marriage. Okay. But it was very damaging in that season where I wasn't being truthful because it, 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 nags, it nagged me from day one. The devil was like, oh, look at you. Oh, you've been married like at that stage, like 15, 16 years. You, you're not being truthful with your wife. Oh, you're part of church. No, you're part of church leadership. Oh, you're not being truthful. Do you know what I mean? So be truthful. No matter how difficult it is. That phone call this morning was very difficult for me. But if I hadn't done it then, it would have been far more painful in a few weeks' time when it probably would have come out somehow. Does that make sense? All right? So be truthful. Okay? Um, faith. Got one minute. Okay, faith. Faith says you have a supernatural resource. And all I'm going to say on this on faith ultimately is this, okay? The beauty is although marriage is difficult and amazing, you have an endless resource with the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords. You have the almighty King and Savior on your side who wants you to succeed, okay? There might not be structures in secular society to help you in our marriage. In fact, it's getting easier to get divorced in the UK ever so easy. You can go online and just pretty much do it now, whereas in years past, it's difficult. But for us, God is with us. So if things are difficult, ask God, turn to him. If you've married someone who's not a Christian, you say, God, give me grace for this. Give me everything I need. Give me self-control. God, help me. So for me, mine is self-control and anger. God, help me with my anger. 
Help me root this out of my life. I want to have an amazing marriage. And what's exciting, guys, your marriages should be ultimately the very best marriages on the face of the planet because you have the king of kings who's walking with you in this marriage. And if you're not married, you should be very excited in the future because you're going to have the very best marriages that have ever walked the face of the planet. If you tap into this endless, limitless king of kings, lord of lords. Does that make sense? I'm excited. I don't know about you. That excites me. All right. Okay. Finally, vision, and we'll leave it there. Um, and I've gone over on my watch by 60 seconds. Sorry, I wasn't truthful. But I'm being responsible for the time. Right. You've got to have a vision for your marriage, all right? And the best example I have is this. Take, imagine you're in the airport, okay? And we'll finish this story. I'm in the airport, and metaphorically, I'm single, okay? So I'm in the airport, and I've got my ticket. I'm off to Zimbabwe, and uh, I'm super excited about catching my flight to Zimbabwe. In the waiting lounge, I come across this wonderful, beautiful lady. And I go up to her and say, oh, hello, how are you? She goes, I'm fine. How are you, Rory? I was like, oh, good, thank you. This is pre okay. I say, uh, where are you going today? Oh, I'm off to Hong Kong. Hong Kong? Wow, that sounds exciting. Where are you, you off to? Oh, don't worry, I'm Zimbabwe in my back pocket. Hong Kong sounds wonderful. <laughs> Let's, can I come to Hong Kong? Yes, of course, I'd love you to come to Hong Kong with me. Off we fly to Hong Kong. Five years later, I'm sitting in Hong Kong with my beautiful lady, and I wake up and I have this eureka moment. What am I doing in Hong Kong? I'm supposed to be in Zimbabwe. I say to her, I'm off to Zimbabwe. I'm not going to Zimbabwe. I never said I was going to Zimbabwe. Ah, wow, it's your fault, it's your fault, whatever, it blows up. Metaphorically, that is what happens to so many marriages because they don't sit down and have a clear vision about where they want to go and don't compromise. God's got a dream in you. You've got a dream in your heart that God wants to see fulfilled. Don't compromise it to date and then marry someone who's got a completely different calling on their life. Make sure you know what your calling is, where you want to go, and make sure the person you find might not be 100% lined up, but is pretty lined up. Maybe they never want to have children. You want to have 20 yeah? Maybe they want to minister in prisons. You never want to go near a prison. Okay? I don't know what it is, but know yourself right now if you're single. And if you're married, work it out. You better solve that problem. Don't get divorced because of it. Okay? But work it out. Have a vision for your future. I'm going to leave it there. Let's stand up. Sorry for... Oh, right. Okay. Right, Father, we just thank you so much for the gift of relationship. You're a God of relationship, and you love relationships. And uh, we pray for just strengthening in this series for us of relationships between each other. Let us get known, be known. And I thank you that we're, we, we believe in authentic community. And I thank you that you love us, like we heard last week so well, that we are fearfully and wonderfully made. We are wonderful as you look at us, Father God. And I pray, first of all, uh, for those that are single, Father. I just pray uh, for incredible spouses. I thank you that for many of them, you're preparing the right person and the right season and the right place for them. And I pray for patience for them right now, Father God. I pray that you give them the capacity and ability and perseverance to wait for the right person to be married to you, Father God. In the meantime, I pray for them to treat their brothers and sisters as brothers and sisters, Father God, and therefore in any sort of relationship that is even happening right now, I pray for purity of relationship, Father God. Where boundaries have been broken, I pray restore them, Father God, and I pray for godly boundaries 
and healthy relationships, Father God. I pray to the men of this church in particular, step up, find your lady and get married. I think sometimes we wait for like the perfect superwoman or the woman waits for the perfect superman. I, I pray give a courage to men to get their issues and women to get issues sorted out. And I pray that in the coming months and years, we hear of many marriages. I pray we're up here celebrating marriage after marriage after marriage, and then child after child after child. But at the same time, Father, we pray for those that are single, and we pray that if that's their calling, and they're at peace with that, Father God, that you give them the capacity to live pure lives, Father, and to enjoy the freedom of that, and all that that brings, Father God. And I pray for their ministries and their lives, that you bless them abundantly, Father God, and they don't feel judged by anyone, that somehow, and in this place, I'm going to say to you, you're not a second-rate Christian if you never get married. You're not a second-rate Christian if you have been married and you're now divorced. You're not a second-rate Christian if you've been married, divorced, and married, or married, divorced, and married, and divorced again. God values you. We value you. We love you. And I pray for, finally, for married couples right now. I just pray, put your arms out to anyone who knows married. We've got marriages here, marriages there, marriages around Sarah here, and we've got to the net at the back. Anyone that you know that's married, I pray for capacity for those in marriages, Father God. Protect them. Put your warring angels around them right now, Father God. I pray this year, 2022, turns out to be one of the most exciting years in their marriage that they've ever lived on the face of this planet, Father God. I pray their marriages will be a testimony to others. I pray for marriages that will last the decades. I pray for marriages where people say, how do you do it? How have you stayed married for these decades? How have you stayed together? May it be a, a sign, a shooting star across the hemisphere, Father God, that people say, what is it about KRC Laboa? What is it about their marriages and the way they do marriage and they do, the way they do relationships and the way they do life, Father God? By your grace, do that, Father God. Strengthen, envision, bring faith, self-control, all those things, and love, all the things we've talked about. And finally, help us not try and control each other, but to control ourselves, to keep our love on, no matter what comes our way, and to forgive often, Father God and love greatly. In your precious name we pray. Amen.